All right, Adam Powell's in the studio with us today. He is um, a contributor over at Isthmus. He wrote Untapping the Potential of Yeast. Uh, a lot of stuff going on at UW Madison or at UW in general, right? Indeed. Uh, and I know I have a little bit of experience with some of this stuff. My brother is a bread maker. Okay. And so we're talking about yeast and you know, bread used to be a magical thing. Right. And the ba- the local baker was a magician in a way a couple thousand years ago for yeah, for making bread rise. It was a magical thing. And right. it's uh a little bit like that today now with uh, the, these UW scientists who are creating all sorts of new yeast. So I guess how did you get uh, how did you get wind of this? Well, I keep tabs on the local uh, food, beer, wine, and technology beats. Uh, I've always been interested in the intersection between technology and food, and this is a classic case, which of course goes back many thousands of years. We think that the, that humans have had beer for. Uh, Almost since, you know, culture and the, the earliest times of recorded writing, uh, certainly the Egyptians uh, made beer. And what happened uh, about 500 years ago at the, at the beginning of the 15th century is that these Germans were storing, they were making their beer and storing it in caves. Okay. And they came up with this crisp new flavor profile, which we now know as a lager. Um, lagers include, you know, Budweiser, for example, and... Uh, it is the most popular, or, or at least uh, by numbers, is the best-selling uh, alcoholic beverage in the world, actually. Well, and it kind of is the quintessential beer, the it, lager. It, it's what we think of when, when you think of beer these days. Of course, it was, it was different uh, before this time, and, and what these guys actually discovered is that, unbeknownst to them, they thought their cave-storing method was uh-huh. the secret, but there was more to it than that, and... Uh, uh, scientists at the UW and elsewhere have sort of uh, reverse engineered the process and discovered that what really happened is two different species of yeast uh, intermarried. Uh, and this fortuitous thing that happens uh, very rarely in, in nature mm-hmm. has been um, uh, understood sufficiently well so that scientists at the UW think that they can force these kinds of connections and uh, and thus generate, you know, 100 new kinds of yeasts. Well, so, yeah, uh, taking us up to t- 2016 here. So first, just amazing, right, that uh, beer and lagers as we know it was a one in a billion shot, as you write. Right, right exactly. And But now where uh, UW is, um, because of uh, we don't have to rely on that one in a billion, uh, these UW researchers are potentially could come up with all sorts of stuff. And it's not just beer, right? Correct. And so what they've done is create a, a tool set for others to use, almost like an, an API for genetics, and um, they haven't actually done any of the work. It's important to, to state that you can't go into a store today and, and uh-huh. uh, be rewarded with the fruits of their labors, but what they have done is create a tool set that will allow others to um, vastly reduce the happenstance and coincidence and the one in a billion chance and, and really bring that right down. This applies, of course, you know, beer, Madison, kind of, you know, beer is, is sort of the angle uh, from our perspective, but they're really thinking about biofuels. They're thinking about cheese and um, and breads as well, right? So um, what we're looking at here could be something that you know, 500 years in the future, they say this happened in 2015 in in Madison, Wisconsin. It, it could be the key to unlock uh, new, f- uh, as yet to be uh, inconceivable uh, or inc- inconceived. Uh, types of food and beer and also fuel, which is really the most exciting thing because, of course, we have energy problems worldwide. So, 
so kind of in the theoretical stage now, but when do they, they are sort of expanding um, the, their theories or their research to with the UW Department of Food Science and, and even some microbreweries or what's happening with I mean it's a lot sooner than 500 years potentially right right we hope to see results uh, you know as soon as uh, this year and the the brewers that I've talked to locally are, are pretty interested by it theoretically it's interesting it's actually uh, almost the exact opposite of a, a major trend in craft brewing right now, which is sour beers yeah. uh, and, and wild yeast, right? So this is actually like putting out a bucket, you know, and, and, and seeing what happens, what, what collects and, and, and produces this this kind of, um, you know, it's almost like a free range yeast collection <laughs> process, right? And, 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 and you know, that, that is diametrically opposed to what these guys are doing, which is talking about a very controlled, you know, in a, in a laboratory kind of... Um, you know, I don't don't want to summon the spirit of Dr. Frankenstein, but it feels a little bit that way. Um, and so, like the different types of beers that we already have, is how much is that dependent on yeast? Like, is a lager different than um, an IPA because of yeast? Or? That, that is correct. And uh, anyone who tells you that they can actually taste the difference, you know, between yeast is is <laughs> lying to you because it's not. Uh, no, no one has a palate that sophisticated. But the different varieties of yeast do give rise to different kinds of beer, which of course all taste different so um you know it's you know beer is is yeast water you need a sugar which is usually derived from a grain of some kind mm-hmm. so this is a very very simple process but the um the genetic nature of the of the yeast is what uh endows different beers with various properties and um the way they did it is really pretty impressive there are these things called plasmids which are not they they occur in nature and they're not unlike a virus in the sense that they contain genetic material two strands of dna and they sort of impose their properties upon other, um, you know, structures of DNA. And I mean, if you think about a virus, it's not really alive exactly, but it's pretty weird what it does because it kind of hijacks. Yeah. The uh, life. It, right. Exactly. So plasmids are kind of like that. They're they're these little circular and the the uh, the UW guys have become very adept at manipulating these plasmids. So it isn't. Um, it isn't scary genetic engineering in the sense that what they're really doing is encouraging natural things to happen with a greater uh, speed uh, rather than, you know, uh, making something new in the lab. That's not what's happening. They're just encouraging species to to mate with each other. And, and the, the lager, uh, the yeast that's responsible for lager, this is actually the, these species are, are as different from each other as a human is from a chicken uh, in terms of, um, you know, genetic structure. So that's that's pretty wild, actually, out yeah. there, sort of interspecies yeast hybrid. Well, and it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of this, all, all sorts of new foods and beers and wine. And, and like you said, it could be the thing that gets everybody off fossil fuel, potentially. That would be amazing. And all happening at the, at the University of Wisconsin, so good to hear. Um, Adam Paul, thank you for telling us about it. You can read more at ismiss.com or uh, it's on newsstands now. It's called Untapping the Potential of Yeast. New hybrids mean new kinds of beer, cheese, and fuel. Thank you, Adam, for coming by and telling us about it. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Thank <laughs> you.